gets colder My eyes go thin as I get older Piece in pieces, bloody and bruised I feel so helpless and confused Cause I hear screaming on the left, yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my life afternoon. This is Evelyn Pringle. Welcome to Focus on the Facts. Patricia Negron is my co-host, and for the past two years, she has been my partner in crime in the battle to stop the global pedophile epidemic and child sex trafficking networks. Today, Trish and I will continue to cover the takedown of the global sex trafficking networks with the latest developments in the child abuse and sex trafficking scandals of Jeffrey Epstein and the Nexium cult, and the takedown of the pedophile-protecting attorneys representing all these perverts. We will discuss the latest developments in the Nexium child sex trafficking cult and the recent guilty pleas that have been entered in that case. Over the past few weeks, the attorneys who are out there protecting the pedophiles in legal cases have taken a huge fall, and we will discuss the legal charges brought against the attorneys Mark Garagos and Michael Avenatti, who represent the perverts in the Nexium case. This month, Avenatti was indicted by a federal grand jury in Santa Ana, California, on the new charges, which include tax fraud and bankruptcy fraud, adding to the charges of wire fraud, bank fraud, and extortion that were filed against him last month in California and New York. If convicted of all the crimes of which he has been accused of in California alone, prosecutors said he would face a maximum of 333 years in prison and an additional two-year mandatory sentence on an identity theft charge. In the latest court hearings in the Jeffrey Epstein case, the judge said that Epstein and his attorney, Alan Dershowitz, were both involved in Epstein's child sex trafficking network and that the victim's attorney, Paul Castle, said in a press conference that there is a universe of 24 girls that Dershowitz may have sexually abused. This month, a new victim named Maria Farmer has gone public in the Epstein case, and she filed a sworn affidavit in federal court in New York saying she was sexually assaulted and her then 15-year-old sister was molested by Epstein and his companion, Grizzly Maxwell, in 1996. Then an art student in New York, Farmer said she reported her assault to New York police and the FBI in 1996. And FBI documents released on April 1st make a reference to Farmer having been interviewed in 2006 or 2007. However, Farmer said that the FBI did not to take any action against Epstein and Maxwell. To my knowledge, I was the first person to report Maxwell and Epstein to the FBI, and that would have been with Mueller in charge, so he did nothing. So she was employed by Epstein, and she said she frequently saw school-age girls wearing school uniforms come into Epstein's mansion and go upstairs. She was told the girls were auditioning for modeling. Farmer said she finally came forward with the court filing an affidavit to support Goofy in hopes that Epstein and Maxwell will be prosecuted. Farmer's affidavit is one of 15 exhibits attached to a defamation complaint filed in federal court in New York by Virginia Roberts Goofrey, one of Epstein's victims against Epstein's attorney, Alan Dershowitz. Dershowitz has always said that he never had seen any underage girls when he visited Epstein at his various homes in Palm Beach, New Mexico, and New York. But Farmer claims that one of her duties was working for Epstein was to staff the front door of his New York estate and to keep track of visitors. On a number of occasions, I witnessed Dershowitz at the New York mansion going upstairs at the same time there were the young girls under the age of 18 who were present upstairs in the house, she said in the affidavit. 
asserting that Dershowitz was so comfortable he would walk into Epstein's mansion and go directly upstairs. Guilfrey claims in the lawsuit that Ders- in her lawsuit that Dershowitz knew about and participated in sex trafficking operations involving underage girls and run by Epstein and Maxwell, and that she was forced to have sex with Dershowitz and other prominent wealthy men while she was underage. And another woman, Sarah Ransom, also submitted an affidavit with the lawsuit with new details about sex she claims she had with Dershowitz. Ransom says she was introduced to Epstein when she was 22 years old and living in New York. She claims that she spent time at Epstein's mansion and was lent out by him to his friends for sex. And among those friends was Dershowitz, she said in her affidavit. She alleges she had three-way sexual encounter with Dershowitz and Nadia Markitinkova, a young adult who has also worked for Epstein. I recall specific key details of this person and the sex acts and can describe them in the event it becomes necessary to do so, Ransom said in her affidavit. Ken Starr, another attorney for Epstein, also has his own sex abuse scandals. In May 2016, he was ousted as president of Baylor University amid the sexual assault scandal involving the Bears football team. Baylor had been under fire on charges of doing little to investigate the reports of rapes by its male athletes of female students at the university. Starr was fired because the regents believed that the school's failure in handling the rape and sexual assault reports fell on Starr. But before we get into our battle against the pedophiles and perverts, Chris and I will first discuss the horrifying tactic being used to push toxic vaccines on the entire country, with forced vaccination being promoted in New York right now. So I'll bring Trish on now to discuss these important developments in the child sex trafficking cases and also start out with the vaccine issue. Welcome to the show, Trish. Hi, Evelyn. It's good to be back. Yes, yes. Um, this business of this vaccines in New York, this is really scary to me, Trish. Yeah, it clearly is a precedent for setting national policy, which is making its way through Congress at the same time, very quietly. And, um, you know, the public has been barred from all the hearings so far on the at, at, on the congressional U.S. congressional level. In fact, um, Robert Kennedy, Jr., who had sued the Department of Health and Human Services to see the mandatory uh, vaccine safety study surveys it required by law to submit to Congress every two years had never been done once ever. And so even he was denied access to these hearings. And, you know, the notion that we have an agency, you know, positioning itself to mandate vaccines for which there is no safety data. And we have, you know, $4 billion worth of injuries already paid, um, by taxpayers, that's not even the pharmaceutical companies paying, for, you know, the settlements for these injuries. And these injuries are not fever and rashes. These are people who have died, whose children have died, who have suffered permanent injuries, disabling injuries. I mean, $4 billion worth. And, and yet we're supposed to just go along with this program and and what's most interesting to me about the New York case where the, that they're trying to use as a precedent is that they're targeting the um, Jewish community there that opposes the vaccine. They implemented that 30-day quarantine 
during the Passover, when there are, you know, dozens and dozens of events that families attend for um, religious reasons. So, well, I didn't even, uh, I didn't even figure that out. I didn't even understand that. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So yeah, they would, so they would, the, the band started at the very first of April, and um, one of the families, for example, that was affected by this because they are um, Orthodox Jewish and they uh, they oppose vaccinations, and their own church alone had seventy seven zero events planned for the month over for Passover, and they wouldn't they weren't able to attend any of them. Because of this, oh, this is so bizarre, and, and and I agree. I think that this is a test run that they're going to pull us in New York and see how it goes over, and it's going to spread to the whole country. No, they they have the legislation written, and it is before Congress right now. There is no question that this is an attempt to set a precedent. This is and and the idea that they already have the legislation written and ready to go tells you, you know, this is this is not something happening organically. It is it's a it's a targeted effort to make vaccines mandatory across the United States. And and you know these claims about um, these outbreaks. The the incredible irony is first of all the numbers are faked. There were reports of over 100 cases when, in fact, it was maybe three or five. And then um, you look among the infected population, and it's always the vaccinated population (laughs) that is sick. They don't have any natural immunity. Right. And measles is a harmless disease. Me and my sisters all had measles when we were little. It was nothing to it. And you know, like like that Brady Bunch episode comes out, and the kids were happy to have it. I don't remember any of us being really sick or anything. We just went off. It is a rash with a fever. Yep. There is nothing dangerous about measles. And when you look at the number of children who have died and been injured by the MMR vaccine, you're talking tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. We are not having tens of thousands of babies die from measles. There is absolutely no no logic in killing thousands of them in order to pretend you're saving one or two. I mean, just the the hypocrisy of the whole thing is, is stunning. And, you know, this whole herd immunity thing, it's like if your child is vaccinated, my unvaccinated child is no threat to yours if they work the way we're told they do. Exactly. They have us turned around completely. Yep. The vaccinated but that's are, not, are not harmed by our unvaccinated children. They're vaccinated. No. They're not supposed to catch measles. It's the opposite way around. The vaccinated children are running around spreading measles with the vaccine yeah, shedding. That, that's for- the thing, too. That's a really important point, Evelyn, is the CDC itself came forward recently, just in the last month or two, and said, advised against the MMR vaccine for children that live in households with immune-compromised family members. Why? Because when you are vaccinated, you shed that virus for weeks after you've been vaccinated. You're not sick, but you are infecting everyone around you. Yeah. 
Yeah. And now the CDC just, recognizes um, that. Yeah. And now it's not just that the force and you to vaccinate your children. In these, it says in, in this article that that anybody in these zip codes are required to right. get vaccinated of any age. Right. Yep. Now, the, Can you imagine? Now, the city can't. Yes. Yes. It says the city can't legally, physically force someone to get a vaccination. But officials said people who are ignored the order would be fined a thousand dollars. And there have been three three um, fines issued already, a thousand dollars. So they come to my door. If I don't let them shoot me up, I get fined a thousand dollars. It's well, horrifying, Evelyn. Shoot me up. I don't care yeah, what happens. I mean, yeah, I think you know people really need to to stop and ask themselves how how much sense this makes, and it, and if it's if it if it really reflects a country that practices principles of democracy, you know, I mean. Right, right. Now, this article, too, said, and I put, I had it highlighted and in red and in large, I said, don't write lie. The National Institute of Health says reports of serious reactions to vaccines are rare. About one in every 100,000 vaccinations. This is so much bullshit. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the four like you billion how much... say otherwise. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I, and then and then Evelyn, on top of it all, the U.S. has recommends the largest number of vaccines for our children. The U.S. has the highest infant mortality rate among our peers by a multiple. Not by five, ten percent, but by two or three times. Give me a fucking right. break, you know, arguing that somehow these vaccines save lives. It's just a patent lie. No, no. We have the sickest children of anywhere in the world and we give the yep. most vaccines and that is why they are poisoning yep. our children with these vaccines. And I said, you know, that they've been they, you know, I'm going to force parents to poison their own children with these vaccines for years. But now they're going to force everyone to get one of these vaccines. These and that's been the ultimate guys. goal. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. can, we, yeah. we know for a fact, by again, that there were, I, was it 100 million doses of one vaccine given that had the simian virus in it? They knew about it. And the simian virus is directly connected to fatty tissue cancers, like breast cancer. And sure. um, this was, no one was ever held accountable by that, for that. You're talking, and this is also a virus that can, um, you know, that genetically women will pass on this susceptibility uh, to their children. So right. these are these were people who were deliberately infected with something that was ultimately uh, potentially fatal to them in the form of cancer. Right. I know this is. Hap- I mean, this is a this is an outright genocidal tool that they are using, and now they're just doing it in plain sight. They don't even give a shit that we yeah. know. Yeah, you know what they're true. doing. I mean, this is this is so scary to me. Now it, it says is. here this um the three New York parents face one thousand dollar penalties for violating measles measles New York health officials issued summons to parents of three children Thursday for not vaccinating their children against measles. 
The adults face civil penalties of $1,000 if an officer upholds the summons at a hearing. Health officials identified three children who were exposed to the virus but were not vaccinated, violating the order. Skipping the hearing or not responding to the summons will result in a $2,000 fine. The children are in three households. So now what happens now to these families? What do they do? Take this the kids? Fast, yeah, I, they'll probably take the children. I mean, that's what, that's what they do. And again, you know, ask yourself, how much sense that makes to be living in a country that calls itself a democracy that will take your children because you refuse to go along with an order that you consider a threat to your child's well-being. Legitimately. Right. I mean, there right. is no safety data. They, they have never proven that these things are safe. And yet, you can be demanded to do this. I mean, the CDC itself owns the patents to six, seven, eight of those fucking vaccines. They have no business recommending them. That is a direct violation of all ethical principles ever, you know, conceived. It's just utterly outrageous. Well, yeah, and Robert F. Kennedy and, and, uh, and I think it's Robert Krakow filed lawsuits trying to stop this, but the judge ruled against him. Um, in, in the most ridiculous arguments this judge put, this, this King's uh, County Supreme Court Justice Lawrence Kippel wrote, um, Kippel debunked the parent bill. This is an article that, uh, that supports the vaccines. Kippel debunked the parents' arguments, concluding that their medical objections to vaccines ran counter to scientific evidence. The religious objections weren't supported by doctrine and were only relevant to school admissions. And their moral objections such as their insistence on informed consent for vaccines, was misplaced. He writes, a fireman need not obtain the informed consent of the owner before extinguishing a house fire, he wrote. Vaccination is known to extinguish the fire of contagion. Oh, it's uh, man, just the opposite. So... Getting vaccinated yes. makes you a carrier, a non-symptomatic carrier and spreader of disease. That's right. what they do. Not but writing that is an that opinion. This poison. is a, extinguishing a house fire. You wouldn't have to get it's consent. It's absurd. Oh, it's Jesus. absurd. Yeah. When me and my sisters all had vaccines, there was no house fire to put out. We were just fine. No. Even mumps is like a not is a all the same thing. An uncomfortable, you know, uh, few days in bed and with fever and. When you recover, you're healthier than ever. Yeah. Children with natural immunity are far, far healthier than those with the pseudo-immunity of vaccine. Yeah. I know this, this, is, this is getting so scary. And these lawmakers, why aren't, why aren't people throwing them out of office to keep doing this, passing these laws to make them poison their own children? Yeah, I think, you know, Evelyn, one of the things that we're, you know, reaching is a point where we've talked about this before and, like, you know, we keep reporting and reporting and reporting and nothing changes. They just keep going. And, you know, you have to wonder what the point of it all is. And one of the things I've been doing is I ordered um, Che Guevara was a revolutionary whom I knew nothing about, really, until I got this book, only to learn that the guy was an absolutely brilliant man. He was a physician, and he 
helped lead the Cuban revolution against the U.S. um, and throw out the Batista government that was a dictatorship. And his goal was always to return control of the land to the people, whatever he might have called himself, a communist or whatever, in his writings, that was specifically what he sought to do, and that is, was demonstrated by his actions and his efforts to help countries throw off these um, imperialist governments. And one of the things he points out is that there, that you know, so long as a government, whether or not it's you know fraudulent maintains at least an appearance of constitutional legality, then revolution is not possible. But what we're doing, I mean, now that we, we all can see it, and though they will continue, it won't stop them from doing it, it will delegitimize them as individuals and the government itself. And that is a key piece in the process of revolution. And so it, 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 this is what lays bare, and for those people who, you know, refuse to see otherwise can no longer deny it. And so while they may, you know, no, not acknowledge it, they can't, they, they stop denying it. And, it. and it strips away that veneer that they so desperately um, attempt to maintain because it creates the, uh, the conditions that are necessary for us to finally you know, throw off the system. So, you know, it, as frustrating as it is um, to see them continue as though, you know, they should be able to get away with it, the process of exposing it is a really important one and one we need to continue despite the fact that it doesn't seem to slow them down in the least. <laughs> but um, it gets us closer to where we need to be every day, so... Well, I know what, when I watch this happening, I feel so defeated, Trish. I started yeah. writing vaccine articles, warning about vaccines in 2004, and I explained this before. I did all that research and published all those articles without getting paid because nobody would publish those articles. So the only way I could get them published was to offer them to sites that published my other articles, and then they published them because they wanted my other articles. Okay, so I've been, I probably put out, oh, well over a dozen, probably close to two dozen articles since 2005 warning people about this, these vaccines and what they were doing to our children. And now I sit here, and I feel like it was all a waste of time, and I sit here and I watch everything unfold that I predicted was going to happen. Right. You know, this, the, the, our children getting sicker and sicker, them adding more and more vaccines, the autism skyrocketed beyond belief. You know, when I was reporting this in 2006, giving the numbers from each state, of the special ed classes to show how autism was was an epidemic, you know, when the CDC was saying, no, it wasn't an epidemic. These autistic kids were always here. We just didn't notice them. Right. And now, yeah. now it's doubled since 2006, I think, the statistics as far as how many children have autism. And we talk about autism because that's the most serious side effect of a living side effect, aside from the right. vaccines killing people, because that just ruins the whole family, their entire life. You know, yesterday yeah. I was watching, and I tell people to argue with this, I was watching the video of the three triplets that all got autism oh, right. on the same day after getting vaccinated. I was watching yeah. that. That was so horrible. I, I, I sat there, and I told my friend, I think I would have killed that quack right there, then and there. They did this yeah. to my three 
triplets that were nine or ten months old, and within yes. one immediately regressed, and then the other two a couple hours later. This is so horrible what they're doing to our children. That yeah, I don't know. It's All horrifying to, to have to That's sit here and watch it happen. That I said yeah. was going to happen if they kept this up, and they did, and, and it's horrible now. Ten times worse well, than what I reported is- ten years ago. Yeah. Uh, the good news is, though, Evelyn, we have a platform now that we did not have before with social media. And while it has been used against us, um, on the one hand, we have successfully turned that around and made it work for us. And so the level of awareness is just so dramatically higher today versus just three years ago. And um, it's we we really have reached an inflection point and we're we're now you know everyone sees like every one of the the Notre Dame fire the Christchurch shooting you know what's going on in Yemen Palestine people see right through it now Venezuela they don't have to be convinced anymore it's it becomes obvious what's going on and so you know, again, this is, it's an important level of awareness that, you know, as I read through this book written by Guevara, in terms of um, you really do need the popular support of the people in order to succeed with this. And so, you know, getting making people aware and, and reaching this point is is a great success for us because it means that we're getting very close to... Um, the the point at which we can then get take charge of this and get rid of these people once and for all. Yeah, but you know, the, the on the internet they're using it to block all our information on vaccines. They call us anti-vaxxers. I don't care. I'll take that title. I don't care. I am an anti-vaxxer. I mean, since I started reporting on these, I've never been. Oh, okay, some vaccines are fine and some not. No, they're not. None are. I am a total anti-vaxxer. You will not get that poison in me. It'll be over my dead body, and that's what's going to happen if they show up at my door. I'll tell you. I will go, I'll go out fighting. I will never allow them to poison me with them vaccines. Well, more and more so people probably feel one that dead way. Person. Pardon? Yeah. More and more people no. feel the way you do, Evelyn. I mean, it, we, it's, the, that's the good news is we're getting there. It's it's frustrating as can be, though, and it's very scary now. You know, as you pointed out, it's not just mm-hmm. they're not just trying to force them on children. They're trying to force them on the entire population, which, you know, it, it's just beyond belief. Well, right. And before, you know, they were trying to force it on everybody, but uh, parents had the right to take their kids out of public schools and homeschool, right. you know, to avoid the poison in their own children. But now, they're taking that away, too. They're going house yeah. to house. Yeah. You know, this, and, and then what happens when they find somebody $1,000? Then what happens after that? Good question. I, we're going to find out, it seems. I mean, I couldn't come up with $1,000 if they came to my door and, I, and they find me. I couldn't come up with $1,000. Yeah. I, I was fine. So then I what imagine, happens? Yeah. And they take I me to jail? What? think about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do think about it because I truly believe this, that this is a test program and they're going to pull it on the whole country. I, think I picture you're them coming to my right door and there's going to be, there's going to be somebody dead before they ever vaccinate me. 
because I will never accept it. Well, that and then UPS. Remember now, you—they're proposing that UPS uh, bring nurses in their trucks to supply vaccines to people who are homebound. Um, So they'll be knocking on your door to give you a vaccine. And by now, these quacks, these farmer bride quacks, know what they're doing. They do. You know, I told you how how my boyfriend had had uh, surgery at this hospital and stuff. And when we went for his checkup and stuff, I was out there bitching because when we walked in, the nurse starts right in on him. She don't even know what he's there for yet. Oh, did you have your flu vaccine? And I got so bad, no. you know, and I told her that. You don't even know what he's here yet for, but you're pushing this vaccine on him. And so when the, the surgeon came in to do his part of the check, I started going off at him about the same thing. And then he admitted to me that he knows. You know, that he knows these vaccines are poisoning kids. And he said uh, the hospitals make them take them. But he said he don't give them to his children or his wife at home. Wow. You know, wow. Now, he's a surgeon, so he isn't the one sticking them, say, sickness, sticking right. needles in them infants, you know. But uh, so he doesn't have to do that physically. But he admitted to me that, no, he doesn't let his kids be vaccinated or his wife. And this, you know, and I don't, I don't say his name and... And I, I, I wish I could, you know, but these doctors that speak out, they're, get, they're getting their medical license and everything taken away. Yep. Yep. Out in California, the ones that were given medical exemptions and now they're sitting there taking their licenses away and stuff if they give medical exemptions to people. It's fascism. I don't know how, how these farm, farmer bribe quacks can stay in business, and I don't think they're going to too much longer. I mean, people would become fully awakened, and they're going to realize that they knew what they were doing. When they poisoned yep. all these children, you know, yep. and these autistic children, they knew damn well what they were doing. And of course, we talked about it. They make all this money. They vaccinate all the kids that come to their come to their um, home or come to their office. And do you know with them triplets that after that doctor vaccinated them and caused their autism, then they didn't want them them kids them triplets to get any more vaccines, you know. And the doctor right. fired them from a from a service. Can you believe that? <laughs> yes. Wow. Out of, oh. Yes. Isn't this something? And like you said, they can't be sued. So that, that's why they go ahead with this genocidal maniac poisoning of everybody. You can't do anything about it. And even if you yeah. go to the vaccine court, it takes you years and years and years to get through that court. Oh, yeah. If they even accept your case. You know, and then you've got the government lawyers arguing on, on the side of the vaccine makers and them cases yes. in the vaccine courts. All at oh, our man, expense. Man. Yeah. Yeah. All at so, our you expense. You know, people always wonder, they think, oh, oh, the, the, the quack, you know, likes vaccines so much, he's kicking me out of my system because I won't vaccinate my kids and protect them. No, it isn't because of that. It's because his money gets cut if he doesn't vaccinate every kid that comes to his office. So now they throw any yeah. parents out that won't vaccinate their kids. But they, they, they don't understand how much these doctors are getting paid. Yeah. 40000 no, or 80000 or something like that a year if they vaccinate yeah, all the I kids. I believe it's 80000 but you have to achieve, yeah. you have to get all of your patients, you know, at, up to a certain level of um, vaccination in order to qualify and most of these offices would shut down without that money every year. Oh, absolutely. Because even without that bonus and stuff they get, when I did a, did a, um, 
a report back in, I don't know if it's 2009 or 2011, this, uh, this, this vaccine expert had, had, uh, um, quizzed doctors and stuff, and it was between 50 and 80% of their income came, pediatricians' income came from giving vaccines. And that's before that bonus is added in that mm. they now get. So their whole yeah. practice depends on yeah. satanic stabbing in these infants. And that's what I view it. It's satanic. When I watch the, when I got videos of, of these little infants being stabbed and parents are holding them babies down, my God, they're screaming. They get going to convulsions and everything else from the pain from them sticking these needles in them. And I'm a former counselor and, and focused a lot on child development. And I'm telling you, these infants that get those shots at uh, three months, six months, nine months, a year, they are going to suffer for life over being tortured like that. And they might not even uh, ever understand what, 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 how they were tortured, but they have been. That is pure yeah. torture holding them infants down and sticking them needles into them. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, pe- people are g- going to be, there are going to be enough people startled by the idea of these mandatory vaccines, I think, to really, um, when it happens, you know, unfortunately, it'll be after the fact that people will stop yeah. and notice. <laughs> but, um, you know, it just, I, I think that, it, it, I, I, I do hope that it, the reaction will be strong enough to um, make people stop and think. Though, you know, I, uh, I, I was talking with someone I know and, and care very much about, about how the Gardasil vaccine was sterilizing all these girls and sure. um, this person's reaction was, uh, oh, good, then, you know, we have too many people in the world. So they're always, it's just like, wow, okay, that is the most sickest oh. thing I've ever heard anybody say. And, um, I, you know, there are de- definitely going to continue to be people out there like that, but it, it just is, it really crosses a line that I think for many will be too much. So, um, but I, you know, well, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Well, I hope so. And I, and I sat here today when I was going over this vaccine stuff and I was thinking, my God, are all these stories about the sex cult, are they just a huge distraction to keep me from focusing on this other stuff that the government is doing to us? Because, I mean, I do put a lot of hours into keeping up with traffic, you know, the sex trafficking rings and everything. And uh, today when I, was, when I was looking at all the vaccine information and I was thinking, am I neglecting that sort of by covering all this other, the sex cult? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to that, I think, Evelyn. I, the, we, you know, it, just like all these, fi- the Notre Dame fire, there was also on the same day a fire at Al-Aqsa Mosque and nobody reported on that. You know, how was it that right. the Notre Dame you know, cathedral burned to the ground when they had a staff there 24 hours a day specifically manning the um, fire suppression systems there and reports of workers who say the system should never have allowed that to happen, that the fire, there's video of people setting the fire. This is, these are all psychic wounds to the public that are meant to keep us in a state of fear and panic. And 
you know, the sex trafficking is salacious enough so that, you know, these people are never, you look at the plea deal of Claire Bronfman, she, oh. there's nothing in there that's, of, that's meaningful. And you look at Nancy, the, the women who worked for her are facing more jail time than her. Claire Bronfman is the one who financed the whole thing to the tune of $100 million, for heaven's sake. Right. Yet she's the one getting right. the lightest potential charges. It's outrageous. Right. right. Well, you know, on, on the church fire for a minute, you know, the other day there was, um, well, there was a story, you know, that they're, they're really coming down on Christians. And I said, no, they're not coming down on Christians when they're burning these churches. I said, no. you can't get rid of these perverts and perverted pedophile priests and bishops and everything in these churches. So maybe that's why people are burning them down. You can't get rid of them. Any other well, you know what it looks them? like? <sighs> yeah, I mean, there. It has all the markers of a Mossad operation, like these others. We have video of people on the roof of the Notre Dame Cathedral moments before the fire started, and then we also have um, a whistleblower, Mark Delaney. He's the a Belgian Gladio um, member who conducted operations like this and has said that that's what this was. And just so happened that there were plans already drawn up to renovate and remodel um, the Notre Dame Cathedral. Right, right. So this fire was no accident. And, and your point no. about the Christians, you know, one of the things that is um, the public is so misled about is that in the Mideast, all these terrorists that the U.S. brings there specifically target the Christian population. Millions of Christians have fled or been slaughtered by these terrorist groups in the Mideast. So there already right. has been, they've been targeted for years now, and specifically by those backed um, with U.S. tax dollars in that region. So, I mean... You know, this is all of this is psychological operations to spark fear and panic in people so that they're not thinking clearly and they'll go along with these draconian laws that are being passed left and right, criminalizing speech. You can now go to jail for 15 yeah. years for just clicking on a site that the government arbitrarily decides is a terrorist. Um, site. And, you know, I mean, you can't criticize, you can't talk about the Holocaust in Germany. How many people have gone to jail just for simply making statements about, you know, factual statements about the Holocaust? You can't even defend yourself in court with facts because of the way these laws are written. This is fascism. We are seeing it all over the world. And this is how it looks. You know, I mean, that's what I think people just don't understand. This is what fascism looks like. This is it. We are living it. Okay. It is not coming. It is here. <laughs> okay, tell me, you know, there's all this political talk, and I don't understand half this stuff. Explain to me what fascism is. I don't even know, Chris. It's when, the, it's when an entire group of people is controlled with um, using force and uh, in in exploitative ways. So fascism is a corporatist government 
that uses violence and intimidation to control its population, and they control all the resources among a handful of people. And that's fundamentally what it is. Okay. And that's what... Okay. And in so, for example, in 1934, November of 1934, General Smedley Butler, who was a double Medal of Honor recipient and the most decorated soldier in American history at that time, testified in secret to a congressional committee that he had been a group of bankers, specifically the same banking families who are behind all the wars that we're seeing today had plotted a coup d'etat on FDR. And according to General Butler's sworn testimony, said that their goal was to install, quote, a fascist government that included concentration camps for Jews and other undesirables. Okay, this is a direct quote from his testimony given to a congressional committee in 1934. Well, in 1933, two things were happening. One was that the Zionists, these same banking families named by General Butler in his sworn testimony, had signed the Havara Agreement with the German government. The Havara Agreement allowed for the forced relocation of 60,000 German Jews to Palestine. The goal was to create, to form seed stock for a new Jewish race that the Zionists wanted to create, okay? What they okay, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Tell, tell, tell me again, I think I've asked you once before, but tell, tell me and my listeners again, what are Zionists? Zionism is a political movement. It has nothing to do with honoring Jewish history. In fact, it is antithetical to Jewish faith. Zionism is is the Bolsheviks, it's the capitalists. These are all the moneyed interests that want to carve out their own state. And this is the same thing that happened with the, um, the, the Roman Empire, they carved out a state that is now the Vatican. The Vatican is the is a the, is a theocracy. That's what they're trying to do. These Zionists are trying to do with Israel: create a theocracy from which they can run their empire. And so, it's just a way of establishing their own sovereignty um, with with the protections of a state. So um, they're not subject to the same vulnerabilities that just a group of people would be without the illusion of um, legitimacy that comes with having a state. So back in 1918 or 17, the British government presumed to gift Palestine to the Rothschilds. And it says specifically at the time that the the point of doing that was to help the Rothschild's family fulfill its Zionist political agenda, and that was to carve out a state. You ask any um, rabbinical scholars or, you know, to- those Jews who follow the Torah will tell you that having a Jewish state is antithetical to Jewish belief, that it is exactly the opposite of what the religion 
dictate. And so it's just been used as a veil under which this group of people have been able to get away with their criminality. And conflating Zionism with Judaism was a key piece of that strategy so that, you know, you criticize Zionism, which is a political movement, and you're accused of being an anti-Semite or, you know, a Jew hater or whatever. But thankfully, enough Jews and Israelis are coming forward. I mean, there are 40 Jewish organizations that have come out and said, this is wrong. We are not Zionists. These are, you know, they are not the same thing. And opposing Israel is not anti-Semitism. And thankfully, it's the Jews and Israelis who will be able to, you know, make that argument most powerfully. And thankfully, they've come forward in large numbers to do it. So, you know, Zionism has, is just all about the consolidation of power on a global scale in order to loot the planet for everything it's worth. Yeah. Yeah. And they're sure doing it. And they control the yeah. media, right? Yes, they do. You look at the Rothschilds, they control the left-leaning side of the media with MSNBC and CNN. They, um, Linda Rothschilds is the editor of The Economist. They control the New York Times, the Washington Post. Right. Then on the, and, and the Rothschilds are a key player in Genie Energy, which is stealing the oil from the Golan Heights, which Donald Trump just presumed to gift to the Zionist in order to fulfill their agenda. They want to carve out a giant piece of the Mideast for themselves, and they're, you know, occupying land in order to do that. And the Golan Heights is a key piece of that um, plan. So um, mm-hmm. the, the, that, the Rothschilds are directly tied into that. Who is also on the board of Genie Energy, also, you know, stealing the oil from Syria, <laughs> is Rupert Murdoch. He controls the right side leaning of the um, mainstream media. And, and in Europe, across Europe, he controls a lot of uh, the press there. So they're, right. they're controlling the narrative to protect their financial interests in these regions. Same with the Koch brothers. They, you know, they are behind the um, invasion of Venezuela. They have the... Venezuela produces the kind of crude, the largest oil reserves in the world, and it's the kind of crude that Coke Industries can only process. So they want that business, and they will use American tax dollars and American soldiers as their, um, you know, muscle in order to get it. That's a fascist government, is when the military and government systems you know, operate in order to serve and protect the moneyed interests that are, you know, running the show. Right. Well, in the, in the media, you know, and yes, and, and Donald Trump is such a big disappointment to me in another area. I, I've always said I can't stand him anyhow, but, you know, that I thought that he was going after the child sex trafficking fat lines and stuff, and, and, and he has, and but this bit about the vaccines, when he was campaigning and stuff, he was against vaccines and everything. Right. And now, 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 and I think it was Robert F. Kennedy that he was supposed to be on some panel or something in the Trump White House. But like you said, they, he wouldn't even let Robert F. Kennedy testify in this congressional hearing on vaccines. Right. 
He had Robert F. Kennedy into his office and specifically said that he wanted Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to spearhead, you know, an effort to deal with the vaccines. Just weeks ago, he told Robert F. Kennedy Jr. he would not be needing his help. He has no intention of doing anything about it. Oh, so so he's just going full fledged ahead and letting this go on with them forcing yes. vaccinations on everybody now, not only just the kids. Yes. And then, then then the media too, like I wanna say that um it just kills me how they cover up everything. You know, like this Dershowitz scandal now. You know, now that now that um that um well I call her Roberts, Virginia Roberts Goofy, that she filed that lawsuit now against him, you know, and then and then another one has come forward and said that uh, that she was too with sex traffic to to Epstein, and then this and then that uh, that farmer woman says about how Epstein was going upstairs with the underage girls at uh, at I mean Dershowitz was at Epstein's house and everything. But um, now you think this would be huge news, right? Right? Oh, no, no, no. What what's out there? I see a video of um oh uh, Dershowitz is out there talking on some talk show about uh, his meeting with Julian Assange and stuff. You know, just ignoring this. They still parade him around like he's something. Yeah. He's given legitimacy um, and a public format in which to, you know, to defend himself. He's smeared. He's, you know, he may not be talking about them right now, but he has used that platform repeatedly to smear these um, accusers. And which is entirely unethical in the first place for him to do that, and especially as an attorney. And then on top of it all, these mainstream media outlets giving him the platform and never once, you know, letting the the victims have a chance to say, you know, tell their side of the story. And, you know, all victims should be believed, you know, only when they're accusing someone who's not in the protected circle, right? Right, right. Well, and switching over to this this Nexium case, yeah, the deal that they just gave to this this uh, this um, Claire Brothman is just outrageous. Outrageous. It is. They knocked the charges down to next to nothing, and then all she had to do was plead guilty, and and under that plea, or oh, she has to pay a six million dollar fine, but she doesn't have to compensate the victims or anything like that, and pay a six million dollar fine. And the plea deal says. That she could go to jail for any with twenty three months to seventy two months, but if they give her over um twenty four months or twenty seven months, she can appeal that sentence that she shouldn't have to sit in prison for over that for over twenty four months. The best justice. This is so outrageous. So outrageous, and it, and it, it wipes away, you know, all the um all the history about the child trafficking, the child sex trafficking, and all this stuff. And in closing down hers, the judge had just said that he wanted information to come out about how they had um, contributed money to Hillary Clinton, you know, illegally. How they had, um, right. the Brockman sisters and Salzman had uh, had all these Nexium members contribute to the Clinton, uh, Hillary Clinton, and they're all members of the Clinton Foundation, by the way. And um, then to give the maximum $2,300, but then they would all be reimbursed. You know, yeah. so by giving this deal to him, I bet you this shuts it down. And it said they did this to other politicians too. So in her in her settlement agreement, it says um, um, to a campaign uh, presidential candidate, but it doesn't say Clinton. You know, obviously, what right, they're doing right. is they're, they're giving her this deal to shut this down. 
so yep. the elites' names don't come out. Yep. That's it. That's what they're doing. And but this business of only uh, thirty thousand dollars they contributed to Hillary's campaign in two thousand seven. And then and then we talked about this before too. And then the presidential candidate that uh, what is that? Um, oh shoot! What is her name? That um, oh, can you think of her name? That Christian Stein. Kristen, pardon, Gillibrand. Kristen Gillibrand. Yeah, Kristen Gillibrand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was part of this. You know, she was at that that proceeding where they raised all that money in 2007, and she has said that she did she doesn't didn't know anything about this Nexium. Yeah, right. She was at that that fundraiser, and she went in, in the Nexium group had bought the three front tables at the Hillary fundraiser had paid for the three front tables. There she was sitting up there at the Nexium tables with Nancy Sullivan. But you know, she comes out and says that you don't. Oh, she don't even know nothing about that Nexium. Yes, she does. Well, remember too, they were they were specifically recruiting women students from Yale. And Yale has a long history of these secret societies, um, with among men anyway, with the skull and bones. And they're the same kind of, you know, human compromise operations that Nexium was, you know, had been set up as. And so um, you can only imagine the families that were tied to it uh, being very powerful. I mean, the, the, that's where... You know, the that's where children of these leaders are sent in order to prepare them for their own roles in this system of corruption. And so um, sure. they would all have been caught up in that as well. And as you mentioned, you know, Ben Zinkus listed off, you know, you're talking mm-hmm. about the, the, the most visible figures um, in politics today and the you know all tied to this this what was stated by the court records as a human compromise operation they were spying on people they were blackmailing yeah. people they were bribing people it was a freaking rico operation and why is it nancy saltzman gets charged for that and not fucking claire bronzman is beyond me she financed the whole fucking thing herself I know it. to the tune of a hundred million dollars if that does not make yeah. one culpable i'm not quite sure what is <laughs> right right yep well um uh, last week did you see um did you happen to see this video where where hillary and bill were having one of their talks you know they think that this is going away it's not going away they were having no. one of their speaking talks and i think it was howie it snuck in there. He didn't have to pay. It was like two hundred bucks to get in there, you know. And he started yelling at him that Bill, this talk is boring. We want to hear about Jeffrey Epstein. We want to hear yeah. about your trips on the on the Lolita Express. Well, soon they hauled him out of there, you know. But they tried to shut him down. But this is this is going to keep going. Remember back when when he went into uh, to uh, um, old Biden's talk. Yeah, started yelling at him too. You know that these people think this is going away. No, it is not. You know, yeah, and we're not letting it go away. And that's a really important act of protest. And it and and it's something that I see over and over again. You know, in terms of creating the right conditions 
for us to finally like throw this system off is to tear down that veneer of respectability. And that's how you do it. You haunt them and haunt them until it's, you know, they cannot go out in public anymore. It is it's a nonviolent, absolutely critical tactic that we have to employ wherever we can. And in fact, actually, the Secret Service, Hillary ordered her Secret Service to visit Howie at his home. And um, they spoke with him, but they also made clear that, you know, nothing, nothing would be done. They would not take any action against him. So that was the good news. But um, But what action were they going to take against him? They, there was none. They, I mean, the thing, the reality is, Evelyn, that any of us can be disappeared at any time and held well, we indefinitely without ever being charged and or allowed to see an attorney. I mean, it happens all the time in the United States. And so, well, I've you know, been terrified after what they pulled with Athens because I said they can do that to him. They can do that to any one of us. Come and drag me out and of the house and me in a false it charge. Is a matter they do. I know. Routine. Yes. I know, so, um, I know it. So it is Throw a very me in the nut on I mean, saying I'm. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Time's up already, Trish. <laughs> well, oh, thanks so much. So much. We had so much to cover. Okay, yeah. thanks, Trish. We'll see you next week. Okay, we'll see you next week, people. Thanks for tuning in. Bye bye. So helpless and confused Cause I hear screaming on the left Yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to